Quack. 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 Twelve and oh. I'm your host, Adam Chamel. That is right. This is the Quack 12 podcast, the greatest organ ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Now, I am not joined by Aaron this week. I know. This is a weird one. Aaron is not here. He's in his home state of Texas visiting a family, and apparently he grew up in, in Sticks, USA, because he can't get his internet or going or whatever. I don't know. But he'll be back next week. Uh, but I'll tell you what's not going to happen. I'm not going to be doing a full show after a really big game where we finally beat Wazoo and Pullman. I mean, I know we've done it before, but it feels like it feels like it never happens. And against Wazoo, it always feels like a game that you survive. And so I needed to get someone in here that that watched that same thing, that went through that same process, that had their heart sink in their stomach for a little bit there when it looked like it was over. I don't know if he, if he felt that dramatic, but I certainly did. I'm, I brought in the one, the only, Hithliday from Addicted to Quack. How you doing, Hithliday? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. That that win, as I said, it was really fun. I definitely, I mean, I knew that there was a chance because we had been moving the ball so well throughout the entire game except for the red zone that even, you know, late, even when they went up two scores, I knew there was a chance we could win. Bo Nix had, like, one bad pass. Other than that, he was doing really well. But it was still nice to see... Uh, to see it happen and to see it happen by like you know that that deep Troy Franklin pass like something we we were missing for you know a couple of years under Cristobal maybe is is those really awesome deep passes for wins and so against teams that matter and then that great base Funa interception wearing number 18 you know wearing the Spencer Webb number it was such a great uh dramatic ending uh, yeah, it was certainly, you know, it's always a different experience, uh, doing film study, you know, the day after, um, than watching the game live because the, you know, the game flow is so you, you get wrapped up in your emotions and I understand. And like, hell it's, it's very human. And it's why I write film study articles sort of like, you know, cut through that to look at, you know, fundamental strengths. And it was a, you know, it, it, it especially in a game like this, where, you know, when you, when you filter out the noise and boy, there was a lot of noise in this game. <laughs> um, when you filter oh, out the noise and just look at fundamental strengths, I mean, Oregon just crushed Wazoo in a three point win, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, that's what, you know, college foot, the, the reason why college football is so exciting and we're all addicted to it is that like, yeah, you know, one team can be by every metric, uh, uh, superior to the other in, in fundamental strength, uh, and still through like, but crazy stuff happens and it can be real lopsided. Like who's the beneficiary of that crazy stuff. And, and we're like, even sort of like, okay. So I, I published my film review article this morning, uh, like an hour before we record. And like, I, you know, I don't like to talk about officiating much. It usually balances out. The officials <laughs> have a hard job, but like, I like to, mm, for, for, for the more, um, um, 
discerning reader may detect a couple of plays that I put on uh, that I remember everything that I do, I put up as representative. You know, I don't single out things that only happened once. Um, you know, I put up a couple of uh, clips where I think the officials missed a, a flag that they probably should have thrown. I, I thought that consistently went in Wazoo's benefit, mm -hmm. except for one really crazy <laughs> event in which they forgot to give Wazoo a second Dear down. Lord. It's like, you know, you know, that's that, there's that's how wacky this game is. Hitler, I didn't know how much time was left in the game. The final few plays. I had no idea. There, there was not a second clock running down for a couple of them. <laughs> it was nuts. I was just like, is this is this game just going to is the rule just it's going to keep going until the home team ties it up? Like, what is what is going on that I've never I mean, I guess I have seen when they when the other team runs off of you know does a play and then they still go back to the previous one i've never seen officials straight up forget yeah a play. Uh, it, it apparently has happened before it's i mean super rare in the pack never 12 in a game that i've watched I, I don't know um i, I, I just, bet money on it um but like I don't know, man, like and, and reconstructing what effect it had on the game, like is is a challenge, <laughs> um, you know, like would Wazoo have run different things if they were if they were mm. facing a second and 17, you know, did Oregon get any real, you know, advantage from having five yards better field position on the second punt? Like, mm. I, you know, there's the penalties, too, which so much of so many of them on our side were just like, yeah. stupid mental. Yeah, I know there's a in, in fact, I, I believe this is correct. Uh, you know, all three Wazoo Wazoo had a pick six. Um, they kicked two field goals. They had one garbage time touchdown in the waning seconds of the game, which didn't really matter. Although I guess it did matter to people who had money on the spread. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, those aside, they only scored. They only had three touchdown drives. Um, mm -hmm. it, like really, that you know, Wazoo only put up twenty-seven points in meaningful. Like a more accurate score for this game would be forty-four to twenty-seven. You know, like mm -hmm. if we're excluding or if we're looking at offense versus defense. Um, you know, uh, you know, and, and like that's a little happier of a number. And the thing is about all three of Wazoo's touchdown drives, uh, excluding the garbage time one, is that every one of them has a all three of the following a trick play, <laughs> which Wazoo ran three of and were successful on all three and were by far their most effective plays. They averaged 26 yards per play on their trick plays. The rest of their yard per play average was like four. Um, uh, um b uh had a uh penalty that converted a first down mm -hmm. you know on for on oregon like oregon was penalized and wazoo got a first down out of it and c like a scramble play that should have been a sack that instead converted a first down like all three of those had to happen on all three of wazoo's those you know, tosses oh my god yeah <laughs> and, and like i put one of them in my article just because it was so gobsmacking and um <clears throat> there was uh you know maybe a couple of things that the officials might want to take a closer look at hmm. when they meet up with their supervisors anyway um <laughs> uh uh um, well and I will say, it seems like the thing that people really want to hear when you're talking about the, the thing that was driving people up a wall, and me included, was the the red zone visits in the first right. half. And yeah. it's very interesting how many people in their recaps that I've already heard in this, in this, in their telling of this, 
they really want to erase Camden Lewis from the story because they always say like yeah, Oregon man. went down there four times and they got nothing. They got zero points. Like I've heard that so many times. Hey, we got three field goals. Okay, right, and, 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 and and all the extra points too. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was nails. Uh, Cam Cam Lewis hasn't missed a kick um, this mm-hmm. year. I, you know, knock on wood, man. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, you know that's nice. Good to have a reliable kicker. Um, and, and the other thing about the first, like, I, I know that the narrative emerged. I, I keep my head down in terms of social media, but to some extent <laughs> it's unavoidable. Like I know a narrative emerged during and after the game that it was like, Oh, Oregon's red zone play calling was really bad in the first half. And then they fixed all those errors in the second half and they were lights out in the red zone at that point. And like, it's usually not nearly so cut and dry. You know, mm-hmm. usually when I get back and do the film study, I'm like, Oh, actually it's this and that. And there's, you know, these things. Nope. The fans are a hundred. That narrative is a hundred percent percent correct in the low red zone meaning within the 10 10 yard line um oregon was 0 for 8 in the first half <laughs> uh they were four for two or, or four versus two uh or four for six i guess i put it that way um in the low red zone in the second half uh, like their their total red zone so within the 20 was uh 20% success rate in the first half 75% success rate in the <laughs> second half like it's I mean, it's night and day difference. Like I, I've never seen like 20 versus 75, uh, you know, in, uh, success rate over a significant sample size. Oregon was in the red zone a lot. Remember, Wazoo <laughs> couldn't stop them. Uh, so they know, are making 20s. adjustments is what you're saying. Yes. I mean, it was clear. The, the number that I came up with, I, I basically in the first half, there were 12 failed red zone plays or, you know, plays that were snapped within the 20 um, that did not gain sufficient uh, yardage given the down distance to be considered a failed or a successful play um of those 12 in my opinion having you know looked at the film pretty closely but not you know being a super you know yeah, it's not like anybody pays me to do this other than beer money um <laughs> i believe that like five of them were just wazoo executing better than oregon was which like you have to expect some of those right you know like that's the, the other team has a pulse you know it's a well-coached mm-hmm. team uh you know they're, they're gonna win a few um but seven of them, the other seven of those 12 failures of you know, first half red zone, um, I, I believe were simply like either that play call has no chance of success or that's simply not an optimal play call given the matchup between what Oregon's advantages are and what Wazoo's are, advantages are. And I put a whole, you know, I, I put four of those 12 plays in my article mm-hmm. for a whole like special video um, to, to look at them. And then I took and then here's the thing. Those play calls all disappear in the second half um or actually there's one that they kept but a they ran it a little bit differently and uh b um it's very clear that they were succ- th- there was like a minute and 21 seconds left in the game when they ran that play and was and it's like it's very similar to one that they ran and failed on and i put that clip in my but both of these clips in my article so that you can compare them like it's basically the same play <laughs> But this time, Wazoo doesn't beat them to the edge because they're tired. Like, you can see Mm -hmm. they're not firing off the ball as quickly. They're not getting to the edge as quickly. And so Oregon is able to establish outside leverage on that play, not Wazoo. And, you know, they succeed. And so that I I put that in the category of smart play calling. Like, don't totally abandon an otherwise functional play. Just, you know, run it when they have lost their speed advantage. Um, Which, incidentally, any Cougs fans who are listening, like, you know, y'all got to watch out for that. Like, it's very clear that they're getting a lot of their defensive advantage based on you know just real speed off the snap and if they're in a knockdown drag out fight you know for 60 minutes like they're you know 
by the fourth quarter, you know, that that's going to happen. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely thought that Kenny Dillingham did a lot of uh, Oregon's offensive coordinator, did a lot of growing up in this game, which mm. is good. I mean, he's like 31 years old, you know, like, <laughs> and this is the first time he's really, I believe, had like the full you know, full control of an offense before. And like, yeah, you're going to run into some of that stuff. Glad to see that he, you know, did some in-game maturation. <laughs> um, So like I was saying, Bo Nix, he had that one real, 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 real bad mistake. Other than that, I thought he, he played fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and- that's another one. Like, we were t- talking about with the penalties where it's like it all goes wazoo's way except for one which is like the most pot you know insane possible <laughs> thing against them that could happen where the refs take a play away from them it's the same thing with bo nicks it's just like this is the best box score i've ever seen except for that 99 yard pick six you know <laughs> the worst <laughs> well, again, possible thing that can happen to a quarterback <laughs> and again like the the lazy commentator as i've been saying has just been sent. It's like, well, that's what you get with Bo Nix. You get re- you get a bunch of good, but then you're always going to get that bad. And then they're going to talk about Caleb Williams and his most recent game, and they're just going to be like, well, that showed a lot of grit from that young quarterback. Mm-hmm. He really, yeah. you know, like bore it out there, like whatever. Um, I mean, Adam, you're describing why I became a film reviewer. Is that, <laughs> you know, em- emotional narratives from from people who's you know, most sophisticated piece of professional equipment is their blow dryer or not, <laughs> you know, very interesting to me. You know, I prefer statistical analysis. Yeah. Well, um, well, I, I got a real sport, uh, like kind of radio sports question for you then. Uh, Bonix, is he the best quarterback in the Pac-12? Put your homerism aside. If it is. Oh man. I, I, I got a punt on that question. I haven't done a film yeah, study. Um, There's a whole lot of ties I'd imagine. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I guess uh, Penix has been great to watch, quite frankly. I mean, it's scary. Yeah, I, I, actually, it's did, funny. But... I haven't put on a second of film for him yet, although that's what this week's project is. I got to break down the, the Stanford-Washington game because Oregon's playing Stanford next. Um, Stanford's uh, weird because they, they've had a bye, and their opening game against Colgate, they weren't using their offense, like their new <laughs> offense that they stole from Wake Forest. Like, Oh, uh, yeah. Is that that um, slow mesh I was watching? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, um, boy. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I think it actually can be fairly easily defeated if you maintain a certain form of discipline. But you'll have to wait for my article on Friday morning at Addicted to Quack to find out it's what it is. It's a very Shaw look, I'll say, it, for an offense. Yeah, uh, do something super slow and delay having <laughs> yeah. to make a decision until maybe it's too late. Like, yeah, that sounds like David Shaw a lot. Uh, exactly. That's like a synecdoche right there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I haven't watched a second of Washington film, so... Um, uh, I, I, I'm not sure yet. Um, Dude's good. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I will. I will say that Bo Nix has been. You know, I, we've talked about this in the past, but like, it's it is remarkable. You know, coming off of the Anthony Brown experience, which again, like, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about. Like, you know, oh, Anthony Brown, you know, made my heart cry. Like, uh, <laughs> but like having a quarterback who's like accurate. And um, mm-hmm. given the the green light to throw the deep ball, um, you know, is uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a nice change of pace. Um, you know, I wish Absolutely. he wouldn't throw interceptions, but like even with the intercept, like, OK, so there's something called the NCAA passer rating, um, which is I, I mean, it's not perfect for one thing. It doesn't filter out garbage time um, and and it, you know, it, it's based on raw stats. So it has all the problems that I like to filter out by doing the game charting directly but it's the best like tool that we have um in terms of uh 
you know, taking into account everything that a quarterback does in the passing game. Um, so it includes completion percentage. Um, uh, it weights your, you know, yardage, your touchdowns, your interceptions, um, and, you know, puts it all into a, the same formula. And they've been running it for such a long time, you know, across such a wide data set that like um, you can at the very least peg, okay, you know, th this is a good score. This is a great score. This is an otherworldly score. This is a below average score, whatever. So, even including the interceptions, um, Bo Nix is currently rated number 30 in the country um, in NCAA passer rating um, with a 162.42, which in my experience is well above average uh, you know, for a number. Um, with playing Caleb Georgia. <laughs> what's that? Uh, while playing Georgia. Yeah, right. Um, Caleb Williams is one spot ahead at 162.49. So basically, you know, indistinguishable. They're tied. Mm -hmm. And that's with Caleb Williams throwing no interceptions, right? So like Bonix with three interceptions is basically tied with Caleb Williams having thrown none. Um, and, you know, Caleb Williams has played a significantly less challenging schedule than Oregon has, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, man, like... You know, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is uh, is rated at 23 with 167.91. That's like a, a, you know, half a tick higher. Penix is is at number 19 with 172.16, you know, against, um, you know, punching bag opponents. And looks like that's it for the Pac-12. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it was I mean, no year. surprise. Those are the top four teams in the Pac-12, right? Washington. Yeah. UCLA, uh, Southern Cal, you know, Oregon. Oh, and, and here's Cam Rising uh, at 31, one spot below Bo Nix at 162.40. So basically those three are are, are all tied. Um, so like, yeah, man, you know, like arguably, if you think that, that, that interceptions are overrated, Cam Williams should be like number five in the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, Cam Ward was fun to watch in this for moments. If you mm -hmm. weren't a Duck fan, I suppose. Uh, what were your thoughts on like Cam Ward and this Washington State team at this point in the season? Because like it was that Wisconsin game was pretty nuts. But uh, yeah. yeah, what are you thinking? Well, I think okay. I, I listed, you know, I, I was on multiple podcasts, including with, you know, Michael Preston of Coog Center, in which we were going through the flaws that we had seen in Cam Ward's game. I just know, want to say Michael weeks. Preston was so weary of seeing the uh, kind of like little tunnel screen. And I mm -hmm. guess he was he was right to be so. Well, end. that was it. That, that one also shows up in my article um, where uh, the. the the first five screens that Wazoo throws, they're successful on four of them. Oregon only wins one. The remaining seven for the rest of the game that they throw, Oregon succeeds on six of them. They only fail on mm. one. And the last one is that tunnel screen that nice. Funa picks off um, for the game ceiling uh, uh, defensive score. So, like, that's another one. Uh, that's on defense, you know, where they make an adjustment to how they line up the OLB um, to defend the screen pass better. So, you know, good for them. Um, and yeah, I, I guess Michael was right to be wary of that tunnel screen, although they were <laughs> successful on a couple of them early on, although some of it had to do with, um, well, read my article, you'll see it anyway. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, I think there are a lot of flaws to Kim Ward's game. Um, I don't think he's really outgrown any of them. Like he's still a first read quarterback. He still doesn't really throw downfield with accuracy. Literally, other than the three trick plays, none of Wazoo's passes went more than 10 yards downfield, hmm. um, like through the air. Um, uh, 
it's still the case that his offensive line stinks and he has to scramble a lot. Um, The one thing that sort of changed for this game, um, which may be a real significant change if it's, if it turns out to be sustainable is that rather than when the pocket inevitably breaks down and he has to like scramble around and make, make a play off schedule in previous games, you know, it was close to like 50, 60% of the time where something bad had happened for Wazoo. Um, when he had to scramble. Um, and in this game, it was like, it was the best offense they had, you know, (laughs) was like pulling off some crazy nonsense, you know, Mm -hmm. with him scrambling. Now, part of that is on Oregon, you know, like not being able to convert those into sacks. And I put a couple of clips of that in my article and tried to point out how like they need to have better lane discipline. You know, this guy needs to go this place. This guy needs to, you know, back out and not rush the, the QB. Like, you know, there's stuff that Oregon can can definitely work on in order to convert those things into sacks. Um and there's definitely a luck factor. Um, I don't want to dwell on that too much, but like, <laughs> you know, play that game 10 times and, and does, do those series of events happen in all 10 of them? I doubt it. Um, and, but there's also like Ward was freaking out less. Like he was just making less stupid decisions. He was throwing balls away in a way that I hadn't seen him do in previous games. Um and like, so to that extent, yeah, I think in game four, um, as an FBS starting quarterback, uh, he definitely, you know, grew up, uh, to, to some extent and Wazoo fans should be happy with that. Um, you know, in terms of f- playing fundamental football, I still think this offense is really, really flawed. Um, their offensive line stinks. They don't really have a run game. Uh, Ward can't, isn't getting off of his first reads and they're reliant on, you know, let's, you know, luck is a four letter word in the analytics game, but I feel like Wazoo fans should probably be honest with themselves um, and not fool themselves into thinking this was a strong fundamental football performance. This was, they got a lot of lucky bounces with one obvious exception um, or <laughs> arguably two. If you think that that intercept, the, 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 the first interception that Oregon got was improper. I don't know about that one. The camera angles were weird. I don't know. I don't want to relitigate it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like fundamentally, I, this isn't a particularly uh, effective offense. It can be dangerous um, at a few things that they do really, really well, which is why he was successful as he was at the FCS level. And they're still dangerous at those things. In fact, I put a couple of clips in my article. I feel like that's like the theme. It's my personal slogan <laughs> or something. Like I put a couple of clips in my article of like, this is the play that Wazoo does really, really well. Why are you defending it this way? This is like, you're guaranteed to give up 12 yards on this play. If you defend it in this way, you know, like don't do that Oregon. Um, um, but like, that's it like that. That's the danger. The danger is them hitting those couple of things that they do well and marching down the field and holding the ball for a long time. That's the other things they run like all 40 seconds off the play clock a couple of times, maybe a second over that. Anyway, uh, the, <laughs> the, you know, they're really dangerous at those things and they like to hold the ball for a really long time. Um, and, you know, Cam Ward is not making as many, you know, horrible decisions when he has to scramble. Um, that's it. That's the end, you know, oh, oh, and I guess they can hit some trick plays, although, you know, good luck repeating that, you know, um, th- those tend to be sort of one-off things. You know, Wazoo was throwing the kitchen sink at Oregon, basically. Like, I, I don't know why, but the Cougs have a real hard on for the Ducks. Like, they always pull out all the <laughs> stops, you know, and this was, you know, I guess I'll put it this way for Ducks fans, like, uh, you know, if you're looking for, you know, something to hang your hat on in this game, Wazoo gave Oregon every bit that they had and maybe 10% more because they were being helped by some extra football factors um, at home. You know, you know, the Cougs were at home. Oregon was on the road um, like and and they still came up short. 
you know, like that's that's the gap right now. Well, and I think one thing is like the offense did the offense was just really fun to watch, was very efficient, minus those, you know, early drives, but still got points out of those drives. Like the games that we usually lose are ones where we're not hitting those field goals, like I said earlier. And the defense uh, in the first half, particularly, it was kind of more maligned, probably because we were, you know, losing and it looked it looked like it was going to be one of those games. But you take away the pick six and they only allowed 10 points. And the first touchdown was on the first drive. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I actually didn't feel that bad about the, for the defense in the first half. In the second half, for me, it felt like there were some mental error. I mean, the penalties were kind of the biggest ones, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's two drive extending penalties on their, Mm -hmm. their, it's their eighth drive. Um, Or or, there's two drive extending penalties in that they happened on third or fourth down. Um, And then there's one, there's an additional one, you know, that's, it's not on third down, doesn't like extend the drive, but it does give them a free first down. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, yeah, you know, like that's bad, man. You know, don't do that stuff. Like, um, but or don't even the... put you don't, don't put yourself in a position mm-hmm. where it's a subjective call for the referee. You know, like you yeah. can bitch about the you know the ref's performance if you if you feel like it, but you know, ultimately putting yourself in a position where the ref can flag you is as bad as you know is just as bad. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what I was watching, but I was watching some college game, some Pac-12 game, and I remember after a touchdown, uh, the player went and respectfully kind of like, you know, put his hands together as if he was praying and bowed down. And there oh, was yeah. no, oh, that's no never called flag there. Yeah. No, it that, is. It, it, it is really explicitly <laughs> in the rule book that you are not allowed to do that. I have seen it in 15 years of charting football games. I have seen it flagged one time in my life, mm. and that was that Arizona game in 2014. Like, are I mean, yeah. <laughs> Outside of the uh, the penalties, uh, were there any other like you know particular performances that you wanted to flag? Whether they were really great or really like mm, there were some moments where you know the reason why this play went for ten plus yards is because this guy was out of place. Or there's obviously like the Christian Gonzalez who who we all love, but who wasn't ready for that one particular play. Yeah, that was. I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time blaming Christian Gonzalez for that. I mean, I consider that one a trick play. Um, And and the reason why is that I go back and I watch it and like all the offensive linemen are standing up, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. they they practiced that. Um, Oh, except for the seven. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, like that's they practiced that. That that wasn't a like, ooh, I can take advantage of this, you know. Oh, what a crackerjack heads up play. No, that was practiced, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway. uh if i have to single out one player who um was uh, it's jeff bossa like he's Mm. he's the one who shows up in my tally sheet with the most frowny faces next to his name um i i wouldn't go so bad to say that he's bad or a liability but like he is surrounded by a lot of pretty good linebackers um and you know he gets run over um he gets run over or he sort of overruns plays he's like he's relying on his speed he's basically a wazoo defender on oregon's team he's relying (laughs) on his speed a lot and a lot of times that's very helpful but sometimes it gets him in trouble um and sometimes he just doesn't have the muscle mass to to like thud a play dead you know immediately and that's the difference between having successfully stopped the play and it flipping over to being a failed defensive play and like 
you know, Mrs. Bossa, I hope you're not listening. Uh, I'm not really going after your boy. I, I, I'm not, you know, I think it's weird that they converted him from a safety because they had to last year and that they kept him at ILB this year. Like, I, I don't, you know, I, 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 I just don't think he's built like an inside linebacker or at the very least he doesn't have the muscle mass yet. And it's sort of consistently creating problems. And I mean, I, I know a lot of fans sort of like, you know, they, they've got two five-star inside linebackers, right? Noah Sewell and Justin Flo, and they haven't like played like they're going to win Heisman trophy, you know, yet. Um, and so like a lot of fans are like, boy, these guys are real busts. And it's like, that's not really what the film shows. Um, you know, what the film sort of consistently shows is being, you know, a problem really only comes down to one player and that's not, you know, Sewell or flow. Um, and that, uh, that's sort of it. Um, uh, on the other hand, a guy who I'd been kind of throwing some brick bats at has been Jamal Hill, uh, in the secondary for like not mm -hmm. really having the foot speed to cover. He was covering really well in this game. There are multiple nice. clips of my article, uh, in which I'm, you know, like, look, here's Jamal Hill, like running in coverage with some pretty good wazoo, you know, wide receivers. Um, and like, you know, he's the reason why, I mean, that's the other half of the, you know, like, okay. So all of those, you know, miraculous scrambles that Cam Ward had to pull off, you know why he's scrambling, right? It's because nobody's open, you know, like, mm -hmm. and nobody's open because, you know, and like, as soon as he starts scrambling, the, the camera zooms in super tight, right? Like, so you don't see that coverage at all, but like nobody's open because Oregon secondary was locking them down. So like nice. all the players that like fans don't like, you know, like Triquiz Bridges, who everybody was, you know, <laughs> getting their pitchforks ready for last week, um, you know, and, and other players like, nope, they were great. They were absolutely great in this game, um, and it's hard to see, and the camera doesn't make it easy, but I deliberately put clips in my articles sort of highlight, like, look at this. This is great. This is great defensive play. So, yeah, good for those guys. You know, um, I, I'm excited to see uh, Cardwell when he does return from injury, you know, whenever that may be. Uh, a lot of people were talking about, you know, the Arizona at Cal game. There was a lot of mention of like, oh, Jay Knott, like he's, mm -hmm. what an amazing back. And he is a, he's a great back. And they're like, yeah. and and he Oregon tried to get him and, you know, he didn't go there. It's like I am freaking happy over here with my Bucky Irving and my Noah Whittington. Uh, but specifically Bucky Irving, what a freaking game he had, especially on that uh, for that long reception. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, that, that's oh. that's it. That's the fulcrum play because mm -hmm. that's fourth down and like it's fourth and two. You know, I love it. Could have just trotted that deep. Bonus yeah. <laughs> could have just trotted out for it. In fact, I believe that play call allows him to do that. But like he sees it and he makes the throw. And I'm like, boy, that's a big swing and duck play you know like no joke if he misses um, that i mean that you can just imagine that's it, it. that was Twitter fourth down being, man you yeah know, like any and and watch that close like irving had to double clutch it you know and it's double coverage <laughs> like it's a it's a perfectly placed pass mm -hmm. like yeah man like that's you know there's another universe where oregon loses this game you know very easily because that happened i mean like there's a bunch of events that could happen that would have led oregon to lose this game you know now if we're trying to like correct the universe there's about a million things that wazoo <laughs> had to have go their way for you know for it to even be close but like in that particular moment of divergence like yeah man <laughs> yeah yeah, he's he's been really really fun to watch, uh, Troy. But Franklin, like, don't yeah. don't by comparison think that Noah Whittington didn't have as good of a game. Like, he yeah. doesn't have that catch. But like his mm -hmm. stat line in terms of running, you know, once you adjust for 
you know, garbage time and all the other nonsense. Like it's, it's just as good. You know, Whittington has, you know, a bunch of great plays in this game. There's uh, there's a couple ones where like he's doing really sophisticated running back stuff where like he takes an outside false step and gets the linebacker to go too far outside. Then he cuts inside of him and runs right up like number one, uh, Diane Henley for Wazoo. Like a lot of people have been he transferred in from Nevada. A lot of people have been touting him as a future NFL player. And maybe I don't know. But like he's you know, he, he can be really good. I highlighted a couple of problems with uh, his coverage in previous games. Um, and I think that he tends to overrun plays and Whittington definitely caused him to overrun a play. And I put that clip in my article, you know, uh, it was I mean, yeah. And it was great because earlier in the game, uh, Malasal Umvailuulu, Oregon's right tackle, missed a second level block on Henley. And so Henley was free to get into the backfield and tackle Noah Whittington for a loss, which is not Whittington's fault. You know, like your blocker's got to pick up the block. But like, but then for Whittington to get his revenge on Henley. <laughs> Um, by and Henley's unblocked. Like design of that play is to create a one-on-one with him versus that linebacker, and he won by juking him out of his shoes. Like, ooh, ooh, Noah, <laughs> I like that. So, uh, speaking of Noah, we have allowed Noah sacks this season. Oh boy. Um, is this kind of just like, oh, that's a, that's a fun stat? You know, I believe we're the only like, I think only FPS team with no sacks. Uh, that's I've seen that too. I, I mean, I I haven't done film study on all sixty times four games, so <laughs> I I can't say that for certain. But is it is it just a kind of fun anomaly, or are you seeing something in this offensive line where it's like this is truly elite? What we got going here? Oh. I mean, the offensive line is very good, and Bonix has what I would describe as elite body control for avoiding pressure. Like, he spins out of pressure in the correct way. That's another clip that's in my article um, that sort of documents, like, this with most quarterbacks would have been a sack because Bass misses the block. Um, there Or there's a blitz coming, and Bass doesn't widen fast enough because Wazoo's really fast. Like, that mm-hmm. dude comes, goes from not blitzing to blitzing in the blink of an eye, and Bass just misses him. And, uh, and then Harper doesn't widen out to take the def- defensive end that Bass had, um, which is, that's a rookie mistake. Um, and, uh, and so, um, but, but Nix does exactly like textbook what you're supposed to do in terms of a little lean to the inside and then spin out and around outside. Um, rec- there, the, the, the safety who had blitzed got a hand on his thigh. He starts to go down, corrects himself, you know, retains his posture, evaluates downfield and throws the ball away. That is elite body mm. control um, and, and sack avoidance. Like that's not getting lucky the way that i'd sort of been looking down my nose at cam ward that's like ripping elite dude um that's nfl stuff and um and so you know yeah combine an offensive line that gives up very few pressures with a quarterback who's very good at escaping the few pressures that he sees and you'll get zero i mean there's a bunch of other teams that only have like one you know or like wazoo only has one or two and that's to the backups and deep in garbage time like you know it's not Zero is a fun stat to throw around, but like it, you know, it's a lot of that's, you know, you know, luck or good for, you know, whatever. Like I don't, don't put too much stock in that. Like, 
but it's still, you know, like, yes, not taking sacks is a nice thing to have to have. Yeah, happen. Especially against a team that is pretty sack happy. So there sure. you go. Yes, that is true. They were tied for number two in the most sacks. But I mean, that's I mean, all of that's just an artifact of how early <laughs> we are in the season. You know, when you have only played three games and they're, you know, a, you know, against everybody's played like very different quality of non-conference schedules and blah, 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 blah. blah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the, the point of doing advanced stats and film study based, you know, reviews that you look past, like, you know, fun little popcorn stats like that. Why, why are you wasting my time with this, Adam? Not kidding. Yeah. And the point of podcasting is bringing them up. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, do you think the targeting on DJ Johnson should be targeting? I, I don't know. I didn't really review that. one. Yeah. Closely. You only get what you get. Yeah, that's true. Doug Twitter certainly has like a freeze frame of yeah. like one particular moment. But it's like I mean, it after. is. I, I saw that. Be... I saw that shot. And, you know, like it's supposed to be the targeting rule is supposed to be in the guidance that the issue to officials, which is this whole other like midrash um, <laughs> the that like it's supposed to be that for for. The, the like the definition of forcible contact is that the initial contact has to be with it and if there's if you initially contact like shoulder to shoulder and your helmets only hit after that initial contact then that can't be forcible contact that has to be incidental contact and so if like that photo isn't like you know you know sometimes photos can be misleading um mm-hmm. uh, but if that's not misleading then that sure doesn't look like that was forcible contact with the crown um but I don't know. I, I don't review this sort of stuff closely. Like I said earlier, don't put yourself in a position where the ref can't even think about flowing, throwing the flag. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So let's go into a commercial break and then we can review what what else happened in the Pac-12 in this crazy conference in the bottom 11. But first, I want to play this audio. Did you hear the uh, Spanish call of the game winning Luis uh, Funa? I have heard it, and I have a little Spanish, and so it was a little. Um, it was fun it's to listen wonderful. to. Well, certainly no quack quack. That's that's for sure. Uh, I'm going to play that right here before we go into commercial. Here you go, listeners. Será segundo y cuatro. Termina por ser interceptado. Adiós. Quack quack. Quack quack. Se derrumbó el equipo de los Cougars. Masefuna se atraviesa. Hey, podcast listener. Hey, Come you. over here. Come yeah. over here. Get over here. Yeah. Huh? Nice headphones you got in here. Oh, yeah, I like those, Chevy. Be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack12 Twitter account and gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you listening to your new podcast apps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that yeah. what he's doing there, bud? <laughs> yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the quack. 12 
page on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, Quack 12, give us five stars. Yeah, the internet, you got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment. Help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing. If you catch my drift. You seen the posters on the telephone poles? Yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then, uh, you know, uh, oh, hey, hey, look at, look at this podcast listener on their long inner, inner uh, continental flight, making things not so bad, not wanting to hear that baby by covering it up. Wah, wah, so they say, putting on them headphones. Trying to get the sky waitress's attention. To get over here, give me more of that Quack 12 podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? Yeah. You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, get you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, Blash. never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be th- part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars. That's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you, chump? Yeah, Do that's it. what I thought. That's Do what it. I thought. Do all right, let him, let him go, Mikey. Let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! <laughs> quack, quack. Oregon Ducks fans, if you're itching to pay attention to teams outside your own, come listen to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. Four Pac-12 sickles, trolls, and friends join together to recap and discuss all of the crazy nonsense going around the Conference of Champions. If you ever wonder what's going on outside Eugene, or you just want to hear people talk trash about your rivals, No Truck Stops is the perfect podcast for you. We cover every aspect of the Pac-12 and every Pac-12 discourse you never wanted to hear. Tune in to No Truck Stops for your Pac-12 fix. New episodes drop Mondays at 5 a.m. wherever podcasts are found. Oh, man. Oh, hey, it's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, quack in, in Spanish is spelled without the, quay, the, the K. So. Yeah, uh, I love that. And I, and I love the, the Mesa Funa. So, so good. And the adios. Oh, man. I, I have heard I I actually want to go back and see if I can find some interviews with him that his name his first name is not pronounced Mace but as actually supposed to be pronounced Mace. Um because mm. if we've been mispronouncing his name all this time like I I feel pretty bad about that. Yeah, well it's just like uh I heard that rumor so long ago that it was JJ Ortega Whiteside and that everyone uh, just got Barcelona. it wrong and you know could be exactly the same thing. Yeah. That would be nice because everyone on TV's gotten it wrong. Everyone on the radio's gotten it wrong. If that's the case, I know, That'd be man. Nice. That'd be nice if they could correct that. All right, everybody. So let's get into it. We're getting into we're at the top. We all know we're at the very, very top of this crazy conference. 
So the rest, therefore, would be... Bottom 11. That's right. It's the bottom 11. Now, uh, there was some very fun games. It could have been so fun. It could have been so damn fun. I guess it's... This is, I don't know, the good thing for us. I don't, if you want to think... Who knows? It's not the good thing for us because it could have been so much more fun if Oregon State beat the Trojans, but they just barely couldn't. It was such a good environment yeah. at a half stadium. I, I mean, you throw four picks and you only yeah. lose by three. Like, wow. Yeah. Exactly. And like and Caleb Williams had, I mean, by far his worst game in a Trojans uniform. But just yeah, their whole offense was just just shut down for I mean, basically the entire yeah, I game. I was really I mean, that was really astonishing. Like I you know, I'm I'm probably not gonna wind up doing film study on that art uh, game until you know, until the off season simply because Oregon doesn't play USC and they mm-hmm. play Oregon State so late in the season that, you know, I'll have my hands full with film of from other games by then. But like um yeah, I, I don't really have a good explanation because I don't really think that Oregon State's defense is that good, but they probably have gotten a, a little better. Um, uh, and, you know, I, this might just be explained as an off night for Caleb Williams. I don't know. I would have to, like, dive into the tape. Um, yeah. Or it might be that, you know, the other thing that I noticed is that I really or here's something that I'm fairly confident in saying, even though I haven't, you know, really you know reviewed the tape and was just watching it live i i think that rumors of usc's offensive lines uh uh, revitalization have been greatly exaggerated Oregon State <laughs> was destroying that line and like it's not like Oregon State is the most talented defensive front in the conference USC might you know I mean this is one of the things that we we talked about when we talked to Alicia um over the summer uh was it like I don't know you know like I know the pro football focus said that USC in 2021 had a pretty good offensive line I I don't understand how they came to that conclusion because it wasn't showing up on tape um, or the tape that I reviewed anyway. Um, and like, and, and so everybody was sort of like, I don't know, maybe they've gotten better. Maybe, you know, it's sort of like that was one of the things that was up in the air for USC. And like, I don't know, man, it it sure looks like Oregon State was tearing them up. Um, and, yeah. and you know what, like, you know, Rice and Fresno and, you know, Stanford with three scholarship defensive linemen that wasn't <laughs> doing that to them and then saying like, oh, that's it. Problem solved. You know, probably that was a premature conclusion. Um, <laughs> I mean, it may be a premature conclusion to say that if Oregon State was doing it um, and I don't think much, you know, too highly of Oregon State's defense. And that's, you know, case closed as well. But like, man, I, I definitely want to be keeping an eye on that for future games if I'm a USC fan, because like. You know, that that's the other thing that I, I flagged about having, you know, done much film study on Lincoln Riley's offense because I had to right? you know, because Oklahoma and the Alamo Bowl mm-hmm. was that like that's uh, there was like a weird fan misconception that like, oh, that was a big 12 offense. Big 12 teams are are offensive line optional um, and they just get the ball out of the quarterback's hand so fast. That it doesn't matter. I'm like, dude, not so like those are really offensive line intensive offense. They do power blocking. They do pull protects. They do, mm-hmm. you know, you know, pretty intensive, you know, offensive line stuff. And unless the deep shot is right there immediately, which let's face it with USC's wide receivers, sometimes that is the case. Um, <laughs> and the quarterback really can just hit a 50 yard pass on his first read um, and, and just like trust that 
that the the wide receiver is so cooked um his his defensive back that like he can just throw that ball even though you know pressure is you know has split second away from him um there you know there are some of those exceptions but like any other play that's gonna you know gonna require him to get down to his second read you know he know might might not be able to be doing that um so like whoo that could be trouble maybe real trouble for for that particular offense it is not o-line optional yeah, we'll see what happens. And then, like, man, dude, if Musgrave was there, they would have won. That's all I'm going to say. If Musgrave was there, they would have won that game. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was it was nuts. That would be heartbreaking, I'm sure, if you were a Beaver fan. Um, but, I don't know, kind of funny, too. There you go. Now, so Aaron and I both chose USC because we did not want to back the Beavs. The next game, we both went with the favorites as well because it was just obvious it was going to happen, and they kicked ass. Utah, number 13 Utah, beat Arizona State at Arizona State. Uh, yeah, I mean, Herm really tanked this team's, I think, motivation right now. Emory Jones mm-hmm. is running for his life. Kind of like Emory Jones. I like kind of want to root for Emory Jones, but he's just on a real bad team right now. Um, uh, not just yeah. a bad team, but one that's like pretty clearly packed it in. And like, exactly. I, 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 you know, I noted that, um, I, I, I noted that of, of ASU, uh, last year was that, you know, even though Herm Edwards wasn't fired yet, um, I really felt like the team that I was watching past a certain point in the season was like, they just weren't playing hard and they were making a lot of like mistakes that, you know, come from sort of like not not putting 110% effort into making sure that you're perfect on each play. Um, and like, yeah, I, I think that's probably happened to Arizona state again. And like, I, I remember during the summer, during all of our PAC 12 previews and everybody that we talked to was like, Oh, Arizona state's a free win. And I, and I was like, you know, hold your horses. Like that team's got a bunch of residual talent at some point, they'll become a free win, but we don't know if that will have been the case by the time that you, your team plays them. Well, it happened in the first game of conference play, so <laughs> I guess you know all those all those folks were right, and it becomes a free win for them. So, uh, so would you say the Devils are out of the detail? Wow, Adam, is that tough? Do, That's a do you have one. a degree in broadcasting, or, or uh, is that I'm a, going for it. This is my internship. All right. Um, yeah, uh, then uh, actually, unfortunately, Brand Keithy out for the season. I know, uh, that's uh, Utah's uh, really most favorite stinked. weapon, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, I remember um, we were doing our preview of them, and I, I was asking questions of our guest um, from Utah, uh, uh, or from covering Utah, you know, like, you know, they were already losing Fotheringham, and I was noticing some interesting stuff in the spring game about how they, and they were losing um, their do-everything slot receiver who'd been there for a million years, Britton Covey. Yeah. And I was like, you know this is interesting they're sort of only down to two proven um tight ends now in an, in an offense that really wants to use three and they're using um keithy to sort of be the new britain covey so it's sort of like they're down to one and a half tight ends if you if you take my meaning um and and, and you know our guest was sort of like oh yeah i guess that's interesting sort of you know what are you talking about and then like afterwards people were commenting on that podcast just like what a sicko this dude is like uh <laughs> you know t- talking about like fourth string tight ends and like well here we are you know this is why we you know yeah. this is why we ask questions about your depth like people because, get hurt yeah i mean it sucks i'm, I'm certainly not rooting for it i, I wish you know brand keithy all the you know all the happy returns in the world and and i hope he gets better soon um it's just like this is the nature of football man and like if you 
you know, one of the reasons why being a top recruiting team is the ultimate, you know, safety net and why a coach with as many, you know, management problems as Mario Cristobal has, which I think, you know, are starting to become fairly clear to mm-hmm. fans in the other part of the country. <laughs> um you know, is discovering is that like, yeah, if you recruit better than everybody else and you're deeper than everybody else, then you can sort of take some of the vicissitudes um, in stride and still win, you know, 10 games every year. And like, I guess we're going to find out if Utah can do that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like, it, it's pretty, you know, they're, they're down to, to one tight end, you know, and, and I've been watching Andy Ludwig for way too long to think that like, <laughs> that's his optimal circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, very true. I mean, and, and when you start recruiting well, then in the second half against Wazoo, when your defense has been out there quite a bit, then they'll still have uh, energy in the tank because you've been playing a whole bunch of pl- faces that are, you know, more game ready because okay. they are higher talent a lot of times. Makes yep. sense. Um, yeah, so Utah just <laughs> destroys Arizona State. And I'm sure, I mean, Colorado... <laughs> You gotta have ASU circled. It's like, I mean, because they're also playing against Arizona. Is that is that this week? I kind of forget. Yes. I mean, th- those are those are your chances, buddy. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna happen this next week. So, spoiler alert. So, I don't know. I just don't. I don't want Washington to not be the only. Pac-12 team I know like, we all 12. have to root for Colorado to win a game because otherwise yep. Washington's going to be off the schneid for for that. Uh, yeah, know. oh, it's going to be so sad. And then we we went all over uh, Oregon at Washington State. What a game that was! I, I, it's just like I'm like this. Basically, I feel exactly the same way about a movie as I do a lot of these games. Is a lot of times. As long as the very ending holds, you know, as long as the ending pulls everything together and I get a a real big rush of emotion, or if the movie's kind of about, you know, being dead inside, as long as I get a big theme of being dead inside or or something like that, as long as it all comes together at the end, I feel like it's a successful movie. That's kind of how I felt about this. Like, all the mistakes just washed away when I saw that we actually won this silly game. Mm Mm-hmm. Like like the great uh, Dan Rubenstein says, uh, you, you just got to win your clunkers, and we won it, and it was fun. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, football is exciting and weird. Like, that's why, <laughs> why why else would we do be doing a podcast about it? You know, if this was actuarial, you know, I think there's a lot of podcasts about actuarial science. <laughs> uh, Stanford at number eight now. Wa- uh, sorry, number eighteen, Washington again. Penix has just been he's it's like damn it he's fun to watch like he's hard for me to fully hate him I like watching him on the team I like that he's doing well unfortunately well I mean the challenge for him going into this this season was was simply staying healthy you know like when when he was healthy at Indiana he was always a good quarterback it was just like you know, he's had like two different ACL reconstructions, a shoulder reconstruction. It's just like, you know, it, his health luck has been like really unfortunate. And, and unfortunately, you start to wonder about whether a guy is injury prone. Well, so far, he's been pretty clean, you know, no sacks. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And in uh, Gil, uh, I just think the boar was a great hire for the talent and yep. Washington. We called that one on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Washington is was just in a really good position too 
I mean, kind of like us as well, even though we can't, I mean, we were coming off a good season. I don't want to hear any last season sucked or anything. It was a good season, but well, it, it violated was, your movie principle. Yeah, exactly. But it was unsatisfying, right? And uh, Washington was coming off a terrible season. But both of these teams were also in a position where it's like, well, a good coach in there with the right kind of uh, people coming back from injury, certain people staying, sure. certain transfers. I mean, it's the third most talented position. team in the conference. Yeah. Like, if they have competent coaching with this much talent, you know, especially given how soft their schedule to date has been and will be for the rest of the the year, with one notable exception, um, mm. like, yeah, because they don't play USC, they don't play Utah, and, you know, Michigan State at a conference was, uh, you know, that's turning out to be a punching bag opponent. Um like, yeah, you know, it's a super soft schedule with a good coaching staff and a lot of talent. Like, yeah, this is exactly what should happen. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, whether that'll get them over the hump, um, you know, to, to, to beat their hated rivals across the Columbia, you know, I don't know. That game's an Otson. Well, and then Tanner McKee, like, I would feel worse for him if I didn't know he was at least getting a really good education. <laughs> because being behind that line, like, orchestrating that whole damn offense and just getting yeah. destroyed in this game i mean that's the other thing about like cribbing this offense from w wake forest is the you know Hart like hartman's at least as good of a passer as mckee is but hartman's got some wiggle to him and mckee's a jugs machine yeah 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 like absolutely you know you're you're running a triple option offense where you don't have the third option like <laughs> you don't even have the whole like tree that comes off of the quarterback leaving the pocket option so, and you're supposed to be a tree that's your whole thing. Yes. Um, yeah, it's going to suck so hard when they beat us. Oh, Saturday. boy. Ian Otson, yeah. too. Like, that's what's going to really sting, like, in 2018. Mm. Well, I mean, we're going to have that, like, 31-point lead, too. So mm. it's going to crush me. Um, and then after that is a game that, I mean, really no one no one should watch. If you're a Colorado fan, you shouldn't watch this. i got to watch you... this game both ways because Oregon's playing, you know, UCLA and then right after that, Colorado. So, like, this is a relevant game to my film study projects, and I'm going to have to, you know, chart every single player. Now, and it doesn't even, like, it goes into garbage time relatively late, you know, because Colorado scores mm -hmm. 10 points in the second half. Um, so, like i got to watch, a, like, a lot of this game. <laughs> <laughs> fun. That's, that sounds fun. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, like, um, Zach Charbonnet is, is fun to watch, so that's cool. And it, it, he gets really fun when he's going against Colorado's defense, just completely bawling through them. Uh, and, I don't know, Chip Kelly's fun little smirk on the side. That'll be cool. Uh, they went so the, and they went with quarterback number three. Colorado did Owen McCown just just to see why not just to throw something out there. It didn't really work. UCLA is gonna. I would be angry to lose to them too. <laughs> like they're a team with like they got a lot of fun dangerous parts that they can do something with. Like like it could be dangerous to themselves too. Like they just seem like kind of a on like. A certain aspects, obviously the offense and in like talent makes it so you can be tricked into thinking they're like a well-coached team, but I really don't think they're a well-coached I mean, team. I, I really don't. Details. Like I think that you know I haven't you know watched this team too carefully, but just you know I, I think that 
UCLA's offense is a grab bag of weird stuff that sometimes confuses defenses because they have to figure out how to defend it, you know, from scratch every week. I think that Dorian <laughs> Thompson Robinson is yet another one of these Pac-12 quarterbacks like Ward and Delora and mm-hmm. Chase Garbers before and, a co- you know, a couple other guys who are like, you know, they make magic happen, you know, on, you know, off schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, and that's sort of it for the offense. And then on the defense, like I think their defense is a total mess. I, I believe all seven players in their front seven are, or something close to that are all transfers. Um, several of which, you know, they are mountain West, you know, G five players that they had high hopes for and who do not appear to be panning out. Yeah. Um, They're transfer you unless you talk to chip Kelly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um and yeah no it doesn't really look like a, you know a great team I, I mean like here i just pulled up the the play by play so it's 21 to 3 um halfway through the second quarter um ucla goes on a 10 play uh drive where in which they ultimately turn the ball over on downs um you know that that was a drive where they could have just ended the game put it into garbage time instead they turned the ball over on downs they then next drive is colorado's possession uh owen mccown leads them on a 74 play uh, or 74 yard nine play uh touchdown drive um uh in which there are a couple of uh uh penalties uh, to be fair you know there's a roughing the passer that rescues them on third and six uh so mm. uh, but anyway like you know so now it's 21 to 10 going into halftime uh, you know, UCLA gets a, a, a quick score um, in the opening possession of the second half, but then it's punt, punt. Uh, Colorado turns it over on downs. Uh, UCLA gets a short field and only kicks a field goal out of it. They go, you know, basically three and out, but the out is a field goal because it's a short field because Colorado turned over on down. Then Colorado fumbles you know, the ball and UCLA gets a quick, you know, touchdown, you know, off of that. And it's like now the game's sort of out of hand because it's 38 to 10, but that doesn't happen until you know, more than halfway through the third quarter. And, you know, it, it was, you know, with Colorado sort of shooting themselves in the foot as opposed to, you know, really looking like UCLA was playing superior fundamental football to them. Again, I will have a better idea of this when I do film study. I'm just like perusing the box score right now. But like, this doesn't look like UCLA dominated Colorado. This looked like Colorado, a terrible team, was hanging pretty tough with UCLA for a good chunk of this game. And, and I'm going to have to do film study on 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 that chunk. So, yeah. And then uh, to wrap it all up, just like we all knew they would, the California Golden Bears offense, that mighty unit, scores 49 points against the Arizona Wildcats. The, you know, the Pac-12's, like, I guess feel good team. Like it seems like people are being like, yeah, look at you. You're doing things like even in losses, people are being like, yeah, you know what? But compared to where you were, you're doing better. That's kind of, uh, like, I think it was kind of a shootout. Of, I don't know. <laughs> I think you can say that of both of these teams. Like, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, um, yeah, I did. I, I didn't really watch this game, you know, cause I, I, it was a game that I knew I have to do film study on cause Oregon's playing Arizona after, Stanford and so like I I tend to be you know when my precious Saturday you know screens I've got three of them I tend to put on other you know st- teams I'm not going to be doing film study on right um but uh uh, uh I will say you know Jade not you know you're right to highlight was definitely the offensive start of this game um there's 
there's a lot of uh, really long runs by him. He starts the game out with a 73-yard rushing touchdown. Um, next drive, he gets a 31-yard ru- you know, rush, but then uh, Cal can't pay it off. They go essentially three and out after that. Um, next drive, he starts with a 12-yard 12 12 rush, then it's another three and out You know, after that for um there's uh cal then earns you know an actual touchdown uh let's see scrolling down here a little bit uh jade not runs for an 18 yard rushing touchdown um then he and then at the end of the game you know sort of what what effectively ends the game ott runs for another 72 yard so it's like you know and whenever there's like those huge runs like that, a 73 yard, you know, run a 72 yard run, it's sort of like, I find that it's most helpful to sort of cap those out at like 30 or 40 yards. Cause it's like, you got behind the defense, like that, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah. it's just counting it as a, like, yes, good for you. You got an explosive play. Let's cap it to, so that you don't totally distort, you know, the carry number. Like, I don't know. I still think there, it just still looks to me like there's some, um, you know, pretty significant uh, uh, um, uh, gunk in in <laughs> Cal's offense, and that you know, Ott scored a couple of long uh, runs, and uh, that sort of like makes the score look a little more impressive than probably Cal's offense really is. Um, and that you know, it may be that Arizona is just like absolutely terrible at defending um, long runs. Um, you know, certainly from I mean, watching their, seems their like... film against North Dakota State, that looks to be the case. Mm-hmm. It seems pretty. It's it's like you know Arizona is doing better. There certain skill positions, uh, including the quarterback, like they are doing. Uh, you know, like they got some stuff that they can get you with. At the same time, like what is their biggest weaknesses? The lines, because it takes yeah. a while to really get that going. And Arizona was in a dark For- hole. Uh, like uh, you wind up saying a lot of like similar stuff um if you comment on football for a long time but like yeah you know you can turn around your skill talent in a year you can't turn around your lines in a year and your lines are essential to sustaining football success and so that's why you know any exciting coaching hire or like good recruiting year i'm just like don't this was a one in 11 team last year don't you know, put them as a dark horse you know, <laughs> the next year, just like football doesn't transform that fast. Mm-hmm. One wide receiver can yeah, uh, right. win you a team. Um, and then I, I got to say, like, I'm just so freaking excited in general for the Bucky Irving tour. Uh, the more and more I see some of these Pac-12 D lines, like, I'm so uh, yeah. excited. No, it's it's um, <laughs> it's not real impressive. USC doesn't have a real impressive defensive line. That's a team that you would expect them to. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I guess Washington's is looking okay, but you know, that's what the major asterisk of like, you know, I don't know how good any of the offensive lines that they've played, um, mm-hmm. are, um, yeah, I mean, I, I know for certain that Stanford's is no good. So, you know, that's one, um, uh, on the other hand, they, they, they beat Kent state more soundly than Georgia did. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that's what? about, man. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't get this thing. Uh, I'm basically starting to believe, like, yeah, relative wins, just they don't matter. You know what yeah, I they, mean? They the, suddenly the don't matter now that that happened. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> now, yeah, now I'm just going to throw it all out. Um, all right, so let's get into the – well, first of all, for Aaron and I's competition, uh, both of us only got one pick wrong this last week. He went with Colorado. That is just the most Aaron <laughs> pick. Don't. No. 
No. I mean, coming Aaron. off of UCLA's game against South Alabama, like is Colorado I get really that. that much worse than South Alabama? Yeah. No, apparently, yes. I mean, it's like... true. Yeah, apparently. Uh, well, and then he's on this big thing. He says no chips. He is done with Chip Kelly. He will not choose Chip Kelly to win any well, game this season. Does he know that Colorado's human in a costume mascot is named <laughs> Chip the Buffalo? Oh, that would have definitely swung him over. Damn it. I should have told him that. Well, I guess I didn't. I'm glad I didn't. I went with Arizona beating Cal. I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Mm. Now, uh, let's get into this week's picks. Aaron's not here, but he did send over his picks. So I'll be able oh, to good. inform those. Now, here we go. The picks. The picks. Now, we got a Friday game. We finally got a Friday Pac-12 game here. It had been a little while. Number 15, Washington at UCLA. This is kind of one of those games where I'm saying, like, UCLA is kind of, is definitely, they're playing out there like an injured animal, but you don't want to corner an injured animal. Like, that's kind of what I feel like. Like, I, UCLA could absolutely win this game. They shouldn't. Washington, what I've seen, Washington is definitely the better team. Uh, they've come out real strong. I mean, uh, they, UCLA, they've both yeah. played like four garbage opponents. Yeah. Um, but Washington has looked better against their garbage opponents than UCLA has looked against theirs. So, mm -hmm. and they, they just look like there's just all those little things that it comes down to where it's just like, wow, Washington, like, you know, they're, they're doing well on special teams. They're not like dropping passes. They're blown out teams quicker. And then UCLA, I mean, just, I mean, yeah, they're just crazy. They're barely <laughs> beating SAU or whatever they are. Um, uh, or USA, that's what they're called, right? University of Southern Alabama. Uh, yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah. No, but South I don't Alabama. Know. It's Southern Mississippi, South Alabama. Oh, okay. South Alabama. This is, uh, yeah, South Alabama, Washington, basically the same. I don't know. I, I still think Washington's going to win this game. But actual betting-wise, it'd be interesting to see what the line is. Because I guess uh, I just UCLA. pulled it up. Washington's on the road, favored by three and a half. Um, I would take UCLA on, on that, I think. I'd take uh, Washington with the points. Uh, the, I, I guess, okay, UCLA's playing this one at home, but, like, the Rose Bowl's getting, like, 9,000 fans in it. Um, yeah. You know, exactly. I, I think if UCLA wins this game, um, it, it's going to require it, it, what will need to be true for that to be the case is that Dorian Thompson Robinson is the good fifth year quarterback mm -hmm. that he can be. And Penix turns out to be a mirage, um, which is that's a possibility like that's, you know, that is not a fanciful scenario. That is a very real plausible thing that could happen. It just doesn't look like that's probably the case. Um, given how they performed against, you know, pretty comparable schedules. Dear Lord, I'd be so nuts a five and zero UCLA. Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be choosing Washington with that. Um, and then next game, Oregon State at number twelve. What did Aaron take? Oh yeah. Well, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll read these. Out. All right, see. fine. I'll read them all out at the end because I got it all. Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. Let's go. So Oregon State at number 12, Utah, 11 a.m. on the Pac-12 network. Of course. Game of the week, man. That is, that's going to be a damn good game. And again, because like, it's just those little things. Like maybe you're, I'm reading too much into it, but it's like Jonathan Smith. I know that dude is a good coach. And like, I know his team isn't going to be like, 
oh, we just lost, and you know. Yeah, right. That sort of demoralization seven. factor, I would not think would. No. Um, yeah, would, they're gonna be stoked. Would be a factor with Jonathan Smith. And they beat Utah last season. Like, it yeah. Is on crazy. the other hand, Utah at home looking for revenge. I don't know. Yeah. It's gonna be real tough to to bet against them. But without you know their best weapon, the weapon uh, uh, Rising was definitely locking that on. That's true. Uh, and like the way Utah looked against Florida, and then Florida's looking not so mortal. This should uh, this should very much be a game. I'm very excited about it. I'll have to go with. I guess I'm just going with who I think is probably the better team overall graded out and the better quarterback. I'll go with Utah. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you took I, the words out of my mouth. Like yeah. Utah just got the better quarterback in this game, and like usually games that are sort of that look like they're close, you know, like this between like two well-coached teams, usually come down to who's got the better quarterback playing, who's at home, and both of those go for Utah. So mm-hmm. that being said, would you agree with me, Hithlade, that Oregon State does have a chance? Oh, definitely, definitely a chance. Certainly, you didn't catch my pun there. Uh there you go. I got you. Adam. Okay. Cal at Washington State, 2.30 p.m., Pac-12 Network. Uh, this is actually... This could be, be like, this is the undercard. Yeah, yeah, this is the undercard uh, 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 fight of the week. Like, Because um, there's definitely a scenario in which this gets wild. Um, I mean, cal Washington games usually get wild. Like, remember when we were talking to Michael about that? And, like, we had to, like, the podcast ground a halt for five minutes while he complained about a bunch of Wazoo-Cal games <laughs> in the past. Like, yeah, man, that <laughs> yeah. Just be another one. Absolutely, and like with Ka- like, uh, I don't think Wilcox is really gonna overthink it. I think he's gonna really run this ball. Wazoo maybe uh, you know susceptible enough to that. Cal does have a good defense, um, or you know they they're usually coached well defense. With some on the holes. other hand, last year when Wazoo, I know they were officially on paper running a run and shoot, but in this second half against Cal, they just flipped it around and played the air raid against them, or actually maybe I'm thinking of 2020, but anyway, at one point, uh, you know, they, and Cal was just like, I don't know how to defend the air raid. And like, I don't know, (laughs) maybe they still don't like, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, and again, Dickert, like seems like a good coach. Seems like a dude who's going to have them ready for it. Even after a tough loss. Um, yeah, Chip Kelly, I wouldn't have, (laughs) I wouldn't say he would have that team up for anything for practice. Okay, oh yeah, uh, no, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah, um, uh, let's see. I'm gonna go. Actually, choosing this one is a really tough one. I will go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Cal sneaking a win out. I'm not feeling confident about that one. That could totally go either way. Yeah, but, it really. Yeah. This this game feels like you know another you know Wazoo Black Magic game where mm-hmm. you know either yeah or or some there, black magic will be the determining factor in this game you know like it'll be you know if you'll get a hold of the box score afterwards and and run down um you know fundamental strengths you'll find that they were basically tied um but then one team to the other one because a ball bounced off of somebody's helmet on a punt return you know mm-hmm. just like wacky mm-hmm. stuff that feels very right uh, and then we have, okay, here we go. This is truly the battle of the potential bottom here. Colorado at Arizona. Two different trajectories for these programs at this moment, anyways. 
Uh, it would be it would be amazing if Colorado won. It truly would. I, maybe I, they're one, like one of two shots at a win because their non-con was ridiculous. Remember they played TCU and Minnesota yeah. and yeah. Air Force. Just like what do you shit? Who scheduled that man? Like yeah. And like Air Force is like the easiest team on there. I guess maybe TCU, but like Air and then like but they're a fucking option team. So you gotta ru- you gotta like roll with that one week. Yeah, like, I know. Damn that sucks. Like, why are you don't do not deliberately schedule option teams? Like, you don't get anything out of it except for broken uh, kneecaps. Like, do you think Durrell is out? That I don't know. Season? That would require parsing, you know, CU politics. Which good luck, exactly. man. Like, but but is it obvious obvious if it's like okay? If Colorado loses Arizona, they might not have the money. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Like, every time, every time we do a preview of Colorado, like the last three times that we've done it, you know, I've found evidence in their coaching staff hires and non-fires, um, which I realize it's like proving a negative, but like it's it's there. Uh, that like I don't think they have any money. Like Could I, you, I don't think they have the money. Even a broke ass program. Even a broke ass program, can you not? Can you afford to not fire a coach? I don't think zero and twelve. I think that Colorado football is at such a, um, is such a non-factor to getting students on Colorado's campus, which is of course the only thing that universities you know care about football for is because it's advertising program Mm -hmm. for the university. I think that they're they're you know that's basically zero right now. So like they don't care. There's no like you know there's there's an opportunity cost versus getting a better advertising program for your university but like i don't think the people who are in control of that university care like about that so or the i don't think they see a value in it um i think they probably think that they're if i had to like prognosticate about like what the mindset of the board members are they're probably like you know folks who are like I'm sure you encounter these people in Oregon all the time. They're like, Oregon's the best kept secret in the union. No one gets to move here. No, Everybody needs to trash talk, you know, Oregon because it's overpopulated as it is. And like, no one gets to move here anymore. And I'm sort of feeling like a, a bunch of people who have similar mentalities are in control of, of Colorado's board who are like, we have too many students as it is. Let's, yeah. uh, well, we don't need to advertise the school anymore. You Boulder cool, man. I mean, I want them to be so good so bad. So I love the history of the program. I like the program. Yeah. But uh, Arizona, easy. Pac-12 football's only Supreme Court justice. <laughs> oh, there you Those go. Those Arizona State at number six, USC. USC, USC. USC is going to win this game. Uh, it'd be difficult to imagine that they do not. It'd be funny if they didn't, though. It'd be very That funny is true. It would be funny. Yeah. I mean, you can say that about any USC game, so. Yeah, that's so damn true. And then uh, Stanford at number 13, Oregon. I'll choose Oregon because I'm a homer, even though I know Stanford's going to win. Pretty embarrassing fashion, too. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah. It's Stanford. I mean. Three pick sixes from Bo Nix. Come on, that was. Uh, I mean, I, on paper, that should this should be a win or out. Um but it's Stanford and like, oh my God, those guys. <sighs> yep. So that's been the picks. Uh, speaking of the picks, the three pick sixes that Bonex is going to throw. Like I'm saying, calling it now. Black. 
Hey y'all, this is Adam from the future, in true dumbass form. Uh, just like Hithliday warned us, I forgot to read Aaron's picks, so I thought I'd just put them in post here. So he went with Washington over UCLA. He chose Utah beating Oregon State. Cal goes on the road to beat Wazoo. Then he beat Arizona beating Colorado. He chose USC against Arizona State, and then he also chose Oregon versus Stanford. So I believe the only differences we had, uh, actually, holy cow, I think we've chosen every single the same one. Huh, that doesn't happen very often. Well, anyways, back to the show. Here's the day. This has been a lot of fun. Next week, we'd love to have you on once again um, with Aaron. You, yeah, we got to get the three of us all, all together again. And uh, we got, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, we should have some Stanford content later this week on this very feed. Uh, as we've been promoting throughout this thing, Hithliday's articles over at Addicted to Quack called Duck Dive. you got to check them out. They go, after, they go over uh, the previous week's game and they go over next week's opponent's best breakdowns that you can find on the interweb you can find hithliday here at hithliday number one h-y-t-h-l-o-d-a-y the number one on twitter uh at addicted to quack as well follow us at quack 12 podcast give us five stars you know the drill we have a patreon if you want to help support us hithliday it's been a blast um excited for more football as always uh yeah it's good talking to you uh We'll uh, do this again soon. We'll talk to Joel uh, Taha from, for, uh, from Stanford Daily about uh, the Cardinal. Oh, yeah. All right. Go Ducks, everyone. Quack, quack. <laughs>